Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How many of you are ready for Christmas? <laughs> okay. How many of you are ready for it to feel like Christmas? Right. Not, how many of you are not ready for it to be rainy on a Sunday morning? It should be snowing. It should be beautiful out there, right? It should feel like Christmas. I looked, um, I've been trying to figure out why. I even just last night I had a conversation with someone that said the exact same thing. It does not feel like Christmas. And I'm trying to figure out why. I'm trying to figure out if it's because not enough people have Christmas lights in their home right now. They're not about, like, our whole neighborhood, there's probably, like, one house that has Christmas lights out. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out maybe um, not enough people are singing loud for all to hear, right? We don't have that Christmas spirit. But then I woke up this morning, I realized what it is. It's the weather, right? It's the weather, right? It's the weather. You know the lowest temperature of this month has been? 23 degrees. 23 degrees is the highest, 60 degrees. Some of you are like, yes, this is it right here. This is what I want my December. But for some of us who enjoy snow, enjoy the cold, who wants to feel like Christmas, we want the weather to be cold. And so I say all this, I know I realize I say all this, last year about this time, the temperature dropped and there was a snowstorm for Christmas Eve. So I'm probably speaking a lot of this. I know it's probably, it's, I think it's supposed to snow tomorrow, right? As I'm saying this right now, it's supposed to snow tomorrow. Anyways, it's going to drop. It's going to feel like Christmas, but it doesn't feel like Christmas right now. But I hope, I say all this to say, I hope that this season you have felt the joy of Christmas, right? The hope of Christmas, the love of Christmas. I hope this season has been exactly what it's supposed to be. The anticipation, the excitement of the incredible story of Christmas, Right? The story of Christmas is one that is passed down year after year. It's a classic story, a story that involves anticipation, excitement, right? It involves a, this idea of a gift, right? The story of Christmas is one of the awesome stories, right? And we share it every year. Every year we share it, especially around December. Every week, some of the families share. Every day, some families share this story, this amazing Christmas story. And for me, the story is about a child and his journey. A story is about a gift, right? Christmas story is about all these exciting things. And for you in your home, I don't know what you do Christmas Eve, but for what I see on TV is the Christmas story played 24 hours on channels TNT and TBS, right? I'm talking about a Christmas story. I don't know if you caught that. I'm talking about a Christmas story, right? So I don't think I have the photo of the, the tongue on the, the pole there. A Christmas story, timeless classic, right? <laughs> You're like, what are you going with this, right? But if I were to ask you, tell me the plot of a Christmas story, how many of you guys would be able to tell the plot of the Christmas story? At least the main idea, right? Right? Who's the, who's the main character? Who's the, ki- who's the kid's name? Ralphie. And what does he want? BB gun. And why can't he have it? Shoot his eye out. You guys got that, right? You guys do this. You guys got it, right? And maybe if I asked you right now to stand up and tell the whole a Christmas story plot. You may miss some details. You may miss um, he got his mouth washed out in soap because he cussed, right? Right? He, uh, he got a pink bunny pajamas from his aunt, right? You guys may have missed that, but you guys got the concept, right? The idea that this Christmas story is one we tell every year. If you've been in the church longer than a year, you know the Christmas story of Jesus. You've heard it. If you've been here this month, you've heard a little of the Christmas story of the birth of Jesus, this humble birth in Bethlehem at a, in a manger, right? So you know the story. If you've been not in the church, and maybe this is your first time going experience Christmas in the church, 
you probably still know the Christmas story of Jesus, right? It's, it's, it's throughout our culture. We hear it. It's part of our world. And so I didn't grow up in a home that shared the Christmas story of Jesus. For us, our Christmas story was a Christmas story, right? Our Christmas stories were um, Christmas Vacation, which is one of my dad's favorites. My favorite was the Rankin-Bass Claymation, right? Those little, like, like, yeah, there we go, a couple of those. Um, my favorite one was, for some reason, was The Year Without a Santa Claus. I really love that one. If you ever watched that one, it's like the snow miser, the, the, the heat miser. So uh, those are our Christmas stories, right? Every Christmas Eve, we would bring out the book, Twas the Night Before Christmas, and we'd read that book, and we'd take turns reading that book. Instead of church service, my family, we went to the North Pole City. It's a store in Oklahoma City that's just surrounded in crazy amount of decorations. They have a Christmas train going through their building. You get to sit next to Santa or sit on his lap and take photos, and like you buy your ornaments there, you buy some presents there. It's an incredible building in Oklahoma. And so that was our Christmas instead of church. And so for me, Christmas story had a different meaning, right? I was into reindeers, elves. T- uh, Tim Allen was my Santa Claus, right? And so that we shared those over and over again, right? And then I started going to a church, right? I attended a church service. I started going to as when I was a child in junior high, and I heard the true Christmas story of Jesus Christ, right? And it truly changed everything. So that was about 20 years ago, and so I've heard this message of Christmas at least 20 times, <laughs> right? At least 20 times, right? More than that. If I were to count how many times I've listened to the Christmas stories, I've read it, Luke chapter 2 and all the other Gospels, it's, it's, it's too much to count. And you guys are the same way, right? The church, you are in this room right now. For some of you who have been 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, you've heard it every single year multiple times. You have listened to this story so many times, you cannot even count how many times you've heard the Christmas story. And for us, it comes easy, right? We can share the story. We can read it. We can tell you where it's at, right? And so for a lot of us, it just sometimes, unfortunately, seems like just another story, right? just seems like another story. We add it to this, this rotation every Christmas. We go to church. We hear the story. It happens, and we leave, and then we go about the rest of our time thinking, not thinking about it. We move on to Easter, start thinking about that story. We know the resurrection story, and then we just think about other stories in the scriptures, or just move on in general. Maybe you've heard it so many times that you don't think there's any more left to learn in the Christmas story. Maybe you've heard it so many times, you think, how does no one else know this story? How, does, how is there people who have never heard this story? Or maybe you're in this room and maybe you've not heard the story. Maybe I'm speaking too much into it. Maybe I'm saying there are some people who may have not heard the full story of Jesus Christ and the birth of his. So whether you've heard it for the first time or you've heard it for the hundred thousandth time, I want us to encourage you today and the next couple weeks, as we go into Christmas season, I want you to approach the Christmas story differently this year. I want you to look at it, maybe for the first time. First time hearing it. We had children on the stage this morning, right, singing the song, singing Jesus, and for some of them, gave their life to Christ this past year and been baptized, right? They get to experience the Christmas story maybe for the first time. A lot of those, a lot of those kids in, that was on the stage. We, my challenge for us is to approach the Christmas story in this way, to approach it, again, for the first time. And so here's what I want us to do. This is what I do with the students. This is what I do for myself. Imagine the scene, right? Imagine just the scene. What might things have looked like, smelled like, tasted like? What would, what would, what would be around you? What are the sounds? What would you be feeling? Imagine yourself 
What do you think, my question for you is, I want you to notice something that you've never noticed before. As we read it together today, as you read it together throughout this week, notice something you've never noticed before. Think about it differently. Put yourself in the shoes of someone in the story and say, how would they have reacted? What are they smelling? What are they hearing? What are they saying? What are they feeling? You see, we've been in this series called The Unexpected Christmas, right? Talking about characters, unexpected characters and unexpected moments in the Christmas story. And so we've talked about Mary, right? Her unexpected interruption, which was a pregnancy, right? And just all of that and the idea that she was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world and how unexpected that was and their plan for the life. Then we talked about Joseph last week, right? The unimaginable future. Him thinking about, wow, I don't, I don't want this marriage to continue on. I don't want it to cause shame. We have to cause a divorce. My whole future's ruined now. And just what that meant for him. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about the unlikely messengers of the story. We're talking about the shepherds. One of my favorite characters in the Christmas story, the shepherds. And this morning, we're going to get a little imaginative. We're going to use your imagination. You guys ready for this? Okay. Imagine you're a shepherd. Okay, imagine you're a shepherd. Imagine, where are you, right? What are you wearing? If it helps, close your eyes. Imagine your shepherd. Close your eyes. What are you wearing? Where are you at? What are you doing? Yeah, what, is it, what does it smell like? What's life like? What are you doing here? Imagine you're a shepherd. Okay? You guys got it? Do you see yourself with an environmental studies degree in Northern California wearing a Sonoma County outfit, carrying around solar-powered fencing to protect your sheep so you can migrate with them? Do you picture your dog alongside you? This is uh, Paige Lynn Trotter. She's a modern-day shepherd. She's in Northern California, and she, that, this is her life. She, she gave up her life of, oh, man, what was it? She gave up her life, her, her career, to study animals and to migrate with them and to take sheep and do this. And it's a really cool story, and there's more to her life. But one of the things I just want to remind you, as you thought about your idea of what a shepherd looks like, she does smell like raw wool. She does smell, right? She's around sheep all the time. She knows about ticks on people and sheep more than anybody else knows about ticks, right? Her boots have only been cleaned one time, and that's when she took them out of the box, she says. But she brings her book with her when she's in downtime, sits next to the sheep and reads. When she's done, she gets able to sometimes go home. She enjoys a long bath. And she says she owns a rainbow flip-flops. She loves these rainbow flip-flops. This is a modern day. It's easy to imagine this for us. I know it's, I, I, I kind of challenge you guys there for a second. Imagine, we can imagine this, right? Some of you guys may have this outfit right now, right? That hat. We can imagine what a shepherd like is, but now imagine first century shepherds, right? Imagine those ancient shepherds. Think about what they looked like, what their life was like, what you would wear in them. You see, first century shepherds, were considered the lowest work, right? It was considered the lowest of the lows. It was not a job for the prominent or the wealthy, popular. We kind of have an image there, a drawing there, right? As a shepherd, it was your job to ensure the sheep in your flock were safe, protected, well-fed, and that meant through the night. So you would, you would stay up with them all day long, all night long, right? And in that time... This was crazy. In that time, if news were to happen around the world or around your area, most likely the shepherds were the last to hear about it if they heard about it at all. 
They were out in their field instead of in the city, instead of in the town. So they, they would be out and about not knowing what was going on in the world, but they would just focus on their sheep. And, I, and as harsh as this sounds, no one cared about the shepherds. They could have gone their entire life doing their job, doing it well, and the world wouldn't have been changed by just them going to work. They just went to work every day. And so this morning, I want to put ourselves in the shoes of the shepherd, right? I want to put ourselves in the Christmas story. That's my challenge for you today. That's my challenge for us this week. And so we're going to dim the lights. We're going to go there. So imagine your shepherd. And this is the story, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the, Lord appeared to, angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. Your shepherd, your light goes on, and you just heard that. And you're hearing this. The quote, right, the Charlie Brown quote, and this is what, that's what Christmas is all about, right, Charlie Brown? Like, this is it. Linus said that. You see, the shepherds at this moment had no idea what was going on. The shepherds at this moment had no idea. They were doing their job, right? They had no idea that the story of Christmas was already in progress. They, already, they didn't know that an angel has been appearing to people for months, delivering this message of hope, saying that a baby is going to be born. They didn't know about this young couple, Mary and Joseph. They didn't know that they were, were traveling a long distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. They didn't know that they couldn't find a place to be and have this baby, and so they had to go and spend the night at this unexpected space where animals were gross and, and dirty, but they ate and slept, and, and in that noisy dirty, uncomfortable space. They didn't know that a baby had just been born. His name was Jesus. And even though no one knew it yet, the whole world had already been changed. Shepherds didn't know that. Just doing their job, what they normally do. And so while the shepherds were out there doing their job, a job that involved traveling long distance, a job that they were not wanted at times, a job where they would eat and sleep next to animals, a job where they would be in dirty, uncomfortable spaces. An angel appeared to them and brought them the news, right? And what's crazy about this, think about the culture of that time. So again, think about the first, first century shepherds, right? The culture of that time, the shepherds should have been the last to know about this news. Actually, they should, probably shouldn't have heard the news at all. Think about that. These people shouldn't have been a part of this story from the get-go, but they were the first. And what's crazy about this, and that's what I love, what's crazy about this, to us, surprisingly, now in 2023, that makes sense. It makes sense that the shepherds were the first to know. Why? We've read the story, right? <laughs> but it makes sense to us. We've read the story. We've read scriptures. We've seen this. We know this is how God works, right? Of course God showed up for them. Of course he used the shepherds. In the case we are unsure about how God works, let me remind you and let me encourage you. God chooses the unlikely 
to do the impossible. He chooses the unlikely to do the impossible. And so he's done it from the beginning, right? Abraham, Lot, Isaac, Jacob, Rachel, Laban, Jacob's 12 sons, definitely Joseph, right? Moses, David, characters throughout scripture that God uses. And you know what's crazy about this? Every single one of those characters I mentioned, they were a shepherd. They took care of animals. They took care of sheep. They took care of animals and their family. And this right here, I love this. This took me down a whole like Bible study guy, like rabbit hole, learning about the many shepherds in scripture. And for me, it flips the story. This is what I'm talking about. Look at the story differently. It flips the whole entire story and narrative when we talk about the shepherds in this moment. You see, it's a reminder that the insignificant jobs throughout scripture is present right here. This job as a shepherd has been present throughout the entire history of the scripture. If the Bible was rewritten today, if we were to write, rewrite it today using a job that we're more familiar with, the one that we can kind of picture, think about like a nurse, right? If we wrote, rewrote the Bible and said registered nurses throughout history played an important role. If we said registered nurses, their nurses were not perfect, but they made world-changing decisions over and over again. God used nurses after time after time. And then we're told, right, that a nurse was going to be a part of the birth of Jesus, right there. How easy, like it would be, of course, right? The nurses have been part of the history of the Bible. Of course, the nurse will be there. And then you keep reading. That's what's really crazy. Then you keep reading about the birth of this baby, and you learn later on that the name of the baby, one of the names, is the good nurse. Duh, right? Of course it is. Of course. It was the nurse. Of course it was. Of course, in this story that we're reading, it was the shepherds. Because that's how God works, right? He chooses the unlikely to do the impossible. And I want you to hear this today. I want you to lean in, write this down, take a picture. This is kind of the main thought for us, for you, and for me. God has chosen you. God has chosen you. He has chosen you then, when you first heard about the birth of Christ, He's choosing you now, this morning, as you're hearing about the unlikely shepherds, and he's going to keep choosing you each and every day. He chooses the unlikely to do the impossible. Paul writes in the church of Ephesus, and it puts it so beautifully, one of my favorite verses that talks about this idea of being chosen and being, being adopted. And it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says, even before the world was made, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself, to Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it brings him great pleasure. It gives him great pleasure to choose you each and every day. That's it. You are chosen by God. And so that right there we can leave today, and that to me would be so important, but I want to leave you guys with more, right? Why? Why does Jesus choose you? Why are we a part of this? Why does God need us? Why does Jesus need us? And here it is, right? Here it is. Jesus was here for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why he was here was to seek and save the lost. And so his mission on earth, his mission was to fulfill God's plan to seek and save the lost, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And so his goal when he met someone, wherever they were at in life, Jesus' goal was for them to be saved and his job was to go out and do that. And so he needs us to help carry out his mission, right? He needs us in this. That's why he's chosen you. So he's adopted us. He needs you. And here's what's really cool. Jesus takes it a step further. He says, I also need you 
to do even greater things than I have. This is what's beautiful about this. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the things I have done, and they will do even greater things than me, because I'm going to the Father. And this is right here, this is what we need us for, this is what he's chosen us for, to do these two things, and do even more than that. But I, wanna, I, wish, I wish that I can say that we all do this, right? I wish I could say that we do this with enthusiasm and readiness. I wish I could say that we jump up for joy whenever we say this and we talk about this, and whether it's preached, taught, or when you're reading this, that you feel with so much excitement, but we don't, right? We don't. I'm guilty of this. I, I, I say this because I'm guilty of this. I think of someone else who can do it better than I. I say someone else can do it, right? Even, guys, even in, on the church, in the staff, I do this, right? Mark's the lead pastor. He's supposed to pastor the church. Diane's our connections pastor. She is supposed to reach out to those who are hurting and call and, and visit them in the hospital. That's her job, right? That she does that. Kyle's our outreach pastor, right? He is the one who goes in the community. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. I don't respond in the way that Jesus wants me to respond and so for that, I, I try to figure out, okay, what, what, what can I do, right? How can we be responding? How can we carry out his mission? How can we do even greater things than him? Well, we have the shepherds to look at right now. And we're going to look at how the shepherds responded, how they responded to this message, how they responded to this news, and hopefully that we are encouraged by that. So here's a few things that they did. Starting in Luke chapter 2, first thing, they were doing their job. It says they were taking care of their sheep. They were doing their job. Something they were called to do, watching the flock at night. They were doing what they were supposed to do. Right? They're normal Monday through Friday, the 9 to 5. But here's what's really crazy, right? Angels step in. They're terrified. They were terrified. They were scared. They were scared, and they were, they were, their emotions were front and center, Right? They couldn't hide their nervousness. They couldn't hide their doubt. The angels literally say, don't be afraid, because they saw it on their faces. They were scared. They were nervous. And then, here's what's beautiful. Next thing, they listened and they learned. It says in chapter two, or verse 12 there, the angel says, and this is how you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth. Just listen. You'll find it. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to jump to action. You don't need to start something. You don't need to buy something. You don't need to do something. Like, it's there already for you. He's there. Just listen and learn. Next thing, when they finally heard that and finally listened to that, they got up and went, right? They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. They knew that the first thing they needed to do was to go towards Jesus, to pursue Jesus, to go to where he was at. And they ran they hurried off. They didn't say they brought the sheep with them. They actually left it behind. They left the sheep behind and they ran. And then they went, when they were at Jesus, after the shepherds had seen him, they told everybody, right? They told everybody. They shared because they couldn't keep it to themselves. They couldn't keep it to themselves. And here's what they ended it with this, and I love this last part. They glorified and praised God. They returned to their flock and they gave glory and praise to God. They went back to their job and did the only thing they could do was to give God glory. You see, God has chosen you and me to do the same today. He has chosen you and me to do the same today. You, listen, you are the unlikely messengers of today. You are doing your job and full of fear 
full of questions. You are learning and listening, and you've been invited to come to Jesus. You've been invited to pursue him, and you're being challenged to share who he is while glorifying and praising the God who created you and the God who saved you. God chooses the unlikely to do the impossible. And so my challenge for us is that, right? My challenge is to take the lessons we've learned as shepherds, look at the shepherds differently, take this and go with this, right? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Good luck. But I, th- I think here's my goal, and this is what I do with the students. Every time I start speaking to students, I want to give them some actual ways to do this. And my goal with this is wherever you're at, wherever your comfort level is, whatever, whatever excitement you are, your level here, my goal is that we could be the messengers of the world just like the shepherds were in that moment. And so here are a few things we could do. Here, first, be like the shepherds, right? Be the shepherds in this case. And the first thing we could do is share your questions. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking we need to have it all together and we're not allowed to talk about God until we have it all together, right? Where we think that we need to know all the answers we got everything figured out before we can talk about Jesus. That if we have questions, if we experience doubt, if we have any type of struggle, we think we have to stay quiet until we can figure all that out and we're good to go, right? But if we look at the shepherds, what did they do? They hurried off. They left everything behind. Actually, they began with their doubt, right? They, they, they were obviously scared. They knew that they didn't have it all together. They were standing in front of angels, and they didn't know what to do. But instead, what they did was they said, the angel said, do not be afraid. And while they may have had doubt, they may have had questions, they continued on. You see, what I think about this for us is what's really cool about when we share our questions with each other, with ourselves, with other people, we are showing people that we have a God who welcomes that. We have a God that loves every single person and wants to hear from every single person. And so whatever your comfort level, that's the first step, right? Just share the honesty that's going on, the questions you have. And then be like the shepherds and share what you're learning, right? Share what you're learning. Each one of you are learning something, whether you're aware of it or not, right? And I want you guys to understand, you will never know and understand everything there is to know and understand about God. It's not possible. But I can guarantee the more you've walked with God, you've learned about who he is and what he can do. You have. It's hard not to. And sometimes you're not aware of it. Sometimes, again, you may forget. Um, and you may feel like, I don't really know a lot, but you know something. Share what you're learning. Share the things that you are reading in scriptures. Share the things you're learning on, 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 on Sunday mornings. Right? Share the things going on, what's going on in your life. When you see God do something crazy, awesome, everything in between, do share that. No matter how small it is. I, that's why I love being a part of a small group in the church, life group, is because I'm surrounded by people who all can read the same story and say and learn eight, ten different things about this story. And I get to be surrounded by people who are smarter than me, and so I get to, be, I get to hear from them and learn from them. Even, even, yeah, I've been to Bible college, and, and I've read scriptures, and I know this, right? But, but to be able to be in a room with people who are learning something differently, God's showing them something amazing. I could hear what that's going on in their life. It, it's a, it changes my walk with God. It helps me learn about God, right? 
And so my challenge is to share the things you've learned. The next thing I want you to do, and it's kind of an obvious one, but just hear me out. Share your stories. Share your stories. You sometimes hear people's stories, and they have this awesome beginning, and this middle, and this end, and there's this full story, right? We hear that, and we're thinking, well, mine's, mine's not so simple. My, my, mine doesn't have this cool middle or doesn't have an ending to it, right? But the truth is, and my challenge for us is that your faith is always in progress. And so whether you share your faith or share your story today or 50 years from now, it is unfinished. There will be always something new to share about your stories. And here's what's really cool. It can be anything that God does in your life, right? A story doesn't have to be, we talk about testimonies, we talk about this, and we, we, we invite people on stage for baptisms, and they share um, their testimony, and, and they talk about how amazing it is, and those are incredible stories, and I'm encouraged every time I hear it, right? But in your room, in your small group, you hear someone saying, hey, God provided this car for us after a wreck that we just had. That's an incredible story. Share that, Right? Share the stories of your baptism 30 years ago and what it was like then. Share your baptism last month. Share the moment you did know Christ. Share the moment where you maybe ran away from Christ. Share that moment. It doesn't need to have this full beginning to end. Just continue to share your stories. Share your questions and share what you're learning. Because here's the kicker here. We are are sometimes going to forget how important this Christmas story is. We are. We're going to forget, and we're going to think the Christmas story of Jesus is just another story. And then we're going to come on Sunday mornings, we're going to hear how incredible it is, and we're going to leave, and then we're going to go watch, for me, we're going to probably watch Elf this afternoon, right? <laughs> and so, so like, and then I'm thinking about, oh, that's an awesome Christmas story. But I want to encourage you that God, in this moment, says, hey, this Christmas story is worth sharing. Let's share it. And this unexpected story of these shepherds remind us about unlikely messengers. It reminds us today that we have this story that's going to admonish and amaze. It's going to change a life. And that this story of this man who came to save the world through a baby has the ability to save the world, we should be sharing that. Right? As we close this morning, um, uh, we've been, uh, we sang a song called Major Throne a couple weeks ago, and, and I start, it was the first time I heard it, and I, I've fallen in love with this song. Um, I asked Roger, and the worship band's going to lead us in the response, but the lyrics talk about how, I love this, how Jesus didn't, could have came to the earth with power and might, could have came strong with the army, but God the Father intended him to be, have, a humble, have, a hum, have a humble beginning. To have a beginning that was full of, yeah, danger. Have a beginning that was full of confusion, of potential divorce, of shame and guilt. But he was born in a manger. And his plan, God's plan for him, was that his son would become a man to live a sinless life, teach people, and to die for their sins, and to rise again. And through this, God is glorified, and our response is praise. Here's a lyric that I love so much. It says, You could have marched in all your glory into the heart of Rome, showed them splendor like they've never known, but you wrote a better story in humble Bethlehem, creator in the arms of common men. 
my life, my praise, everything I own to the Jesus, the King on a manger throne. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for that first Christmas story. I thank you so much for the birth of Jesus Christ and how unexpected it was. I thank you so much that you gave this story, this news, to shepherds. The most unlikely character at the time, but it makes perfect sense why you did. You chose someone who has a job that goes in each and every day, that sometimes feels unwanted, that sometimes has doubt and fears but you chose them to spread this incredible news because you knew the impact that it would have on this world. And so Lord, I thank you so much for that story. I pray for our church. I pray that we get to be the unlikely messengers today, that we leave today knowing that we have questions, but we we can share those questions, knowing that we are learning and listening and we can share what we're learning and listening and knowing that each and every one of us have a story, multiple stories, And that you've challenged us to share those stories of Christ and what he has done in our lives. So Lord, as we leave, as we sing, Lord, I just pray that you just remind us of the joy that it is that we have in Christ and this incredible opportunity that we have. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.